It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to the Big Apple. That's where today's edition of CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union, comes to you from... That's right. We are here in New York City where the Blue Jackets will take on the New York Rangers for the first time tonight at 7 o'clock at Madison Square Garden. Coming up in just a few minutes, you will hear from Kenny Albert. He is the radio voice of the New York Rangers. He also happens to be the voice of the NHL on TNT. He's also one of the voices for the NFL on Fox and Major League Baseball. He does it all. So Kenny will join me here in just a few minutes and we'll talk all about him. We'll talk about the NHL. We'll talk about the Rangers and the matchup against the Blue Jackets. Stay right where you are. First of all, a note for you as we get set for tonight's game. Yesterday, after practice, the Blue Jackets activated Max Domi off injured reserve to make room for him on the roster. Justin Danforth was sent back to the Cleveland Monsters of the American Hockey League. Max Domi is a guy that during the summer had to have surgery on his shoulder. He was expected to miss the first couple of weeks of the regular season. He was ready for the last preseason game. He played the start of the season, and then he suffered cracked ribs. And he was supposed to be out for, well, actually longer than he has been out for once again. So Max Domi is back. Will he play tonight or not? That is a question that has not yet been answered. If he does play, who's going to be out of the lineup? It looks like Igor Chinikov is going to be the odd man out because he and Domi yesterday during practice, they were alternating shifts. So it looks like Chinikov is the guy that would be out. But you never know. Looks can be deceiving based upon, well, maybe somebody is banged up that you don't know about and they're not talking about right now. But if everything goes the way it looks from practice, if Max Domi plays tonight, Chinikov looks to be the guy out. If Domi is not ready to play tonight, then Chinikov would stay in the lineup. So that is the latest Blue Jackets news for you. Before I talk with Kenny Albert, let me tell you about the fine folks over at Telhio Credit Union. They have been great partners of this show now for a long, long time, and they can be great partners for you too. They offer so many different things. Let's just take a checking account, for instance. They don't have just one checking account. They have different levels of checking accounts. And with those different levels, there are different perks. So you should check out exactly what they have and how it might benefit you. And the easiest way to do that is for you to go online to their website at tellhio.org. It's not just checking accounts. It can be savings accounts. It can be personal loans for debt consolidation or some other reason. It could be a business account or business loan. It's all right there at tellhio.org. Surf around, click on the different tabs, and you'll find the information that you're looking for. If there's something you can't find during business hours, there's a live chat option on the right-hand side of the screen. Telhio Credit Union is open to everyone in Central and Southwestern Ohio. They are federally insured by NCUA. All right, without any further ado, Kenny Albert. He was working for TNT, calling the game between the Philadelphia Flyers and the Edmonton Oilers just a couple of days ago when I was able to track him down north of the border. Here's our conversation. Kenny, thank you for joining me from Edmonton. When's the last time that you actually were in Edmonton? Were you there during the playoffs a couple of years ago? I was. So this is my first trip to Edmonton, Bob, since the bubble in August and September 2020. When I arrived yesterday at the hotel, I made sure to take a walk around the block 
just to kind of get it out of my system that there are no fences surrounding us this time. Um, but it was a great experience in all honesty uh, during the bubble. Uh, obviously, we weren't here for a great reason uh, during the pandemic. But um, once once all of us were here, first of all, you felt like it was the safest place in North America because we were tested every day. Um, we were surrounded by fencing, so nobody from the outside world could get in. And we got to work two and sometimes three playoff games a day. So uh, it was a unique experience. Um, calling two game sevens in one day in, in the Western Conference, for example, something that probably will never happen again. Uh, but yes, it is my first time back at Edmonton since the bubble experience in 2020. Now, we all dealt with uh, calling games in buildings that had no crowds. But you know, for you, usually when you're doing the national games, you're doing the biggest matchups and uh, the buildings are always full. What was it like for you to do games like those playoff games? And, you know, we're, we're talking about the conference final with nobody in buildings. How weird was that for you to go through? It was bizarre, especially at the beginning. Um, our broadcast location was lower than usual uh, because there were no fans. They were able to move us down onto the first concourse about 20 rows up. And it was just so strange to walk around between periods with nobody in the building. It was basically uh, the broadcast folks, uh, the cleaning crew, and the players and coaches and officials and NHL uh, executives, and that was it. Uh, there was nobody else here. So it, it was strange to call the games initially. I think we got used to it. Um, you didn't have the normal effects in your headset. Uh, the, the, the music was pretty loud. They, they would try to simulate a real game just for television purposes. So as far as that goes, you know, you did have the in-arena entertainment which I think helped make it look and sound great on television. Um, I had one referee tell me that during one of the games, he could actually hear my play-by-play -play on the ice during the game because there was nobody in the building and it was so quiet. What, what I enjoyed was there were a few games in the early rounds that I did not work and I would go to the game because we had nothing else to do and the hotel was about five minutes away. So why not? Um, and I was amazed at how much I could hear from the ice, the communication uh, amongst the players, the coaches, the officials. That was actually kind of neat to get to hear that uh, because in normal situations, it's so loud in the building, you don't get to hear any of that stuff. I'll tell you what, if the referees could hear what I was saying, I'd probably get fined. So I'm glad the people are back. Yeah, I was hoping that uh, I didn't say anything that they would get too upset with. <laughs> well, if they did, it was their fault. I mean, you know, if they would have done it right, you wouldn't say anything, right? Exactly. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, so now all the people are back and things have changed for you, too, because when you were doing those playoff games, uh, you were on NBC and now you're working for TNT, Turner Sports, uh, as they become part of the NHL coverage this year, along with ESPN. Uh, I got to tell you, Kenny, I, I'm glad you're there. I like turning on the game. I like that familiarity of hearing you and Eddie Olchick working together. Uh, but I also really like that production. How different has it been for you? And I know you've worked for a lot of different networks. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. But how different has it been, or is it different at all, making that transition from NBC to TNT? Well, I appreciate it, Bob. And first of all, uh, kudos to all the folks at NBC. I think they did an unbelievable job for 16 years. And I'm biased. I was there for the last 10 or 11. But uh, great broadcasters, uh, Doc Emmerich, who is arguably the greatest of all time in the sport of hockey, um, Eddie Pierre, Brian Boucher, Joe Micheletti, right on down the line. 
uh, Keith Jones in the studio. NBC introduced the outdoor games uh, in conjunction with the NHL, the Winter Classic, which have meant so much to the sport. Um, NBC introduced the between the glass position, which has led to 30 or 40 jobs uh, around North America. Every team, every network, for the most part, um, has an analyst inside the glass. So uh, when you look back at the 16 years that NBC um, broadcast NHL games in the U.S., I think they certainly raised the bar. And now Turner and ESPN uh, are looking to take that bar and, and raise it even higher. And Turner went out and hired some great people. Um, you mentioned Eddie and Keith Jones is with us and Brendan Burke and Darren Pang and uh, the studio folks, Liam McHugh coming over from NBC. And uh, you can't find a better name in this, a bigger name in the sport than Wayne Gretzky and Anson Carter, Rick Tockett, Paul Bissonette. So right on down the line. And Turner's not afraid to try new things. And we've seen that with their NBA show inside the NBA, which is arguably the, uh, you know, the top pregame show in, in all of sports. You know, I would put it up there along with Fox NFL Sunday. So, again, they're not afraid to try new things. Uh, the, the production people they hired are terrific. They've been around the league for a long time. Uh, one of them who you know very well, Joe Whalen, who spent a lot of years in Columbus. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun. We've had three games so far, one preseason game, uh, our third regular season game tonight as we speak here in Edmonton. And, um, you know, I think for me, the familiarity, I've worked so many games with Eddie through the years and Jonesy, so it doesn't really feel that much different because we've all worked together. And um, I think the chemistry so far has been real good. Yeah, you mentioned that inside the NBA show. The, the one thing I like that Turner does with that show in particular, Kenny, is I'm not the biggest basketball fan. I'm not the biggest NBA fan, but I can sit and I can watch that show and I can learn and I can be entertained. And that's why I love it. And I see some of those elements already starting to come out with uh, with the hockey version of that. Do you? Absolutely. Um, whether it's bringing in Charles Barkley the first week uh, to to you know, put on the goalie pads and have Wayne Gretzky take shots at him. Um, they've also integrated the studio guys a little bit throughout the game broadcast. We had Wayne, uh, you know, doing a little talkback Q&A with us during the first game. Uh, both Turner and ESPN have introduced officials, Don Koharski with Turner, Dave Jackson with ESPN, as we've seen in the other sports, to try and help out with some of the uh, – controversial calls or, you know, replay situations on the ice. So uh, again, NBC raised the bar uh, exponentially over the last 16 years. And now uh, Turner is certainly looking to raise it even higher. Well, here's something else that's different. You're in Edmonton to call the Oilers and the Flyers. And quite honestly, going to a Canadian city wasn't exactly uh, the norm or hasn't been in the past, but the Edmonton Oilers have Connor McDavid one of, if not the premier player in the game, or if he's not, he's soon going to be the premier player in the game uh, as other guys uh, get older and fall off for sure. But I mean, uh, this guy's going to get uh, the attention that is due to him. His team is going to get the attention that is due to him. And I imagine that that is uh, something that's very important to the networks to make sure that they highlight the stars of the game. Yeah, absolutely. You, you want to uh, highlight as many stars as you can. And tonight with the Oilers and Flyers, uh, you have an Edmonton team that's gotten off to a 5-0 and start with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, who have been two of the top five players in the league over the last couple of years. So uh, it'll be fun to see some of these teams uh, that maybe we didn't see a lot of on the network over the last few years. We have another game at Edmonton in about a month. Uh, 
um, some other games north of the border in Montreal and Toronto. So uh, exciting to be here. And, uh, you know, like you said, to actually be in the building last year, all of us called so many games off monitors throughout the season. Yeah. And that was an experience. I hope I never have to do again. I'll be honest with you. It was, uh, it's not easy. Um, you know, uh, people would say, Hey, it sounds really good. And I'd say, don't tell anybody that because (laughs) there's nothing like being in the building. There's nothing like experience the game, experiencing it live. I'm talking with Kenny Albert from uh, the NHL on TNT. He also does play by play sometimes for the New York Rangers, which we'll get to here in just a little bit, but Kenny, I want to talk to you about, you know, getting into this business. I think, uh, it would be very easy to look at you and say, well, you know, coming from, uh, you know, you've got a very prominent dad who's in this business and uh, you must've just walked in the door, set up shop and, and started going right away. That is not the case. I mean, you're a guy that had to work his way up in this business, aren't you? Well, there was a lot of practice and reps that went into it for sure. Um, you know, did I have some advantages because I was able to tag along and uh, do stats for him and, and, you know, go to hundreds of games as a youngster. Sure. Um, I, w- I was able to meet so many people and um, build those relationships, but um, you know, I was, I was announcing games into the tape recorder at a young age and it's really all I ever wanted to do. I did some sports writing in high school and college as well, but um, just always wanted to do play by play as I know you did as well. And we've shared some of the stories through the years with each other, but I had a huge break in high school, believe it or not, when I was at a girls basketball game to cover it for the newspaper. And the athletic director at my high school introduced me to a a television producer from a small cable station who showed up uh, with, with a, with a production van and two cameras and a clip on microphone uh, to film this girls basketball game. And they didn't have any announcers. So I volunteered. They clipped the microphone onto my shirt. The people around me in the stands probably thought I was crazy talking to myself. But I had the opportunity to uh, announce probably 75 to 100 high school games in all different sports over the next three years. So I think that was really the biggest break. The fact that Cox Cable on Long Island showed up at my high school and all of a sudden I had all these reps, you know, back in the day. Now there are all these sports casting camps and kids could start at an earlier age, but those didn't exist back in the, in the early to mid eighties. So um, I had the opportunity to do all those games and that was really uh, a huge head start and uh, went on to college at NYU in New York city. And we had a, a real good division three basketball program. So my friends and I called those games and then um, had sort of an internship with the Islanders radio network where I was involved in some of the pregame shows and postgame shows and um, had the opportunity to call four games. And I was able to use those tapes uh, to send around to minor league teams. And again, real fortunate to get hired by the Baltimore Skipjacks of the American Hockey League in 1990, spent two years there, uh, would not trade those two years in for anything. When I look back, it's been 31 years now as a professional broadcaster, but those two years, you know, were, were, were the most fun, uh, built so many relationships that I still have to this day. Uh, Barry Trotz was our assistant coach, for example, and we were roommates on the road. We had a number of players who went on to NHL careers. Joel Quenville was on our team for about 40 games, one of those years. So uh, just getting that experience, as you know, having spent many years in the American Hockey League as well, uh, working 80 games a year, 160 games. And uh, listening back to the tapes, I'm sure you went through the same thing. 
uh, thought I was awful, you know, when I would listen back, <laughs> couldn't believe that anybody actually hired me, but um, it was just so much fun and uh, just so in debt to the in debt to the folks that hired me there and, and gave me the opportunity in Baltimore. Yeah. And you and I have had these conversations before talking about uh, having to sell tickets when you were in the American Hockey League. You know, it's funny in in the minor leagues, like when I was in the East Coast Hockey League and when I was in the American Hockey League, well, when I was in the AHL, it was more broadcasting for me because of the way that they brought me in kind of as a, a freelancer to do that. But in the ECHL, it was like doing everything. It was selling tickets. It was uh, doing PR and the game notes and the whole nine yards. So uh, it, it's um, it's not as glamorous as people think. But as you just said, you wouldn't have traded those two years. It really teaches you how to grow up as a pro, doesn't it? Absolutely. And it was also my first time far away from home. I went to college in New York City, so I was about 45 minutes from home, but I was still able to get home on occasion. This was really my first time living on my own, living away. Um, did have to do some of the stuff you mentioned, some of the PR and marketing and sales. I was a terrible salesman. I think I, I made three sales the entire summer, my first year. Uh, one was to a local gym at a hotel, uh, a sports bar, and a batting cage, uh, mini golf facility. And for $500, we threw in everything. We gave them season tickets. We gave them commercials on the radio. Uh, we would do functions at, at, you know, at their, at their establishments, uh, really whatever they wanted for the 500 bucks we threw in. Yeah. I know what you mean about being a terrible salesperson. I lost a minor league baseball job because I couldn't sell. Not that I couldn't broadcast. I didn't sell enough to, to, uh, to pay for myself, I guess. So yeah, those were, uh, those are great days when you look back on it. No doubt about that. And talking with Kenny Albert, of course, his dad, Marv Albert, just actually retired after doing the NBA forever. And you mentioned that your break came by doing high school basketball, that you did a lot of college basketball. And even with your dad doing all of that basketball, was it hockey that attracted you? Was, was hockey the sport that you found yourself most interested in? It was absolutely that, that was, that was what I wanted to do hockey on the radio, even though I've gone on to work a number of different sports. Um, even though he's so well known for basketball, he actually did the Rangers radio, believe it or not, Bob, for about 30 years. Um, and it was only home games back then for the most part, they started traveling a little bit and he would miss some of the games when he had other events, but from the mid sixties until 96 or 97, he was, he was still involved on the Rangers radio. So, uh, uh, people outside New York probably would be a little bit surprised by that. Um, so I would go to Rangers games. I would go to Knicks games, but hockey on the radio was really my goal. Yeah. And it, like today you can hear any broadcaster from any team, wherever you are. And you're right. Uh, at that time, you know, if you weren't in New York or if you, you know, if, if it wasn't nighttime and the signal wasn't carrying a long way, maybe you, maybe you didn't even listen to a Rangers game. You had no idea. Right. Right. Actually, he also did some national, uh, there were some syndicated packages. So he did the Stanley Cup final on U.S. television a couple of times in the late 70s. And then my two uncles, Steve and Al, who also did hockey and basketball for a long time. Um, Al was the voice of the NHL on USA Network in the mid 80s. So um, Steve had worked in the WHA with the Cleveland Crusaders. So they both had a lot of hockey experience as well uh, prior to moving over primarily to the NBA and boxing. So when did it go from, you know, starting to realize the hockey dream, but then the hockey dream branches out to the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NFL? When did all of that stuff start happening for you? Really, after Baltimore, um, 
we were the affiliate of the Capitals, so I, I, I got to know a lot of the people with the Caps organization. And I was hired in 92, 92-93 season to work Capitals home games on television, on home team sports. Um, it was a split package. So Craig Lachlan and I did the home games, and Jeff Rimmer, who you know very well, did the Capitals away games on the other station. So um, I started to work in Washington with, with HTS on the Caps broadcasts, and uh, home team sports also uh, was the home of the, the Orioles and Bullets at the time, now the Wizards basketball. So I was given an opportunity to fill in on about three or four games a year on the Orioles and the Bullets. And I had done, you know, those sports during the high school days. So I had some experience and, uh, you know, that opportunity was really what opened the door to those sports. And then in 1994, uh, a, a, a life, life change, you know, opportunity and life change for a number of us uh, when Fox stole the NFC package away from CBS. CBS had had the NFC for like 38 years and Rupert Murdoch came in and made this crazy bid and Fox all of a sudden had the NFL and they hired John Madden and Pat Summerall and Dick Stockton and Matt Millen as the top two broadcast crews. But Fox decided at the time they wanted to hire some younger folks and on the play-by-play side, uh, myself, Joe Buck, Tom Brenneman and Kevin Harlan were all hired as young play-by-play announcers in 1994. We were really in the right place at the right time. And never in any of our wildest dreams did we think we would be doing NFL football games at that age or ever, really. Um, but because Fox made this crazy bid for the NFC, uh, there we were. So that was something that I never expected to happen. And crazy as it sounds, here we are in year 28 um, working NFL football um, on Fox. So uh, Again, that was all a function of Rupert Murdoch deciding that he wanted to build his network up by acquiring the NFL. How different are the sports that you do, and especially for you when it comes to the preparation of it? Of course, you know, hockey and basketball are X amount of times a week. Football is only once a week. Uh, Baseball depends upon the package that you get. I mean, heck, if you were with the team, you could do it every single day for six months. But, um, you know, when it comes to the way that you get ready for these games to make sure that you've got your homework done and you know what you're talking about because that is so important because especially uh, the real hardcore fans of those teams, they're going to know, they're going to know right away uh, if you were ready or you're not ready for a game. How do you go about getting ready for all that stuff? Well, I think organization is the key. Um, The prep is pretty similar for all the sports. Um, Football is the most volume because you might have two teams you haven't seen all season and it's so many players on each side and you have to kind of, um, go back and study what's gone on in, in their previous games. If you haven't worked uh, a specific team that season or recently, but I, I have a checklist, which is pretty similar for all sports. And it involves um, a lot of reading, you know, reading the, the clips from each city for the five or six days prior to a game, uh, watching previous games, uh, going to practices, talking to coaches and players, which over the last year and a half or so, it's been uh, more so on Zoom than, than in person, um, preparing charts and statistics. So it's pretty similar. Um, you know, with hockey, the teams play three or four games a week. And when you work for a specific team, like you do with the Blue Jackets, like I do with the Rangers, you're around that team all the time. So there's probably not as much preparation that goes into your own team. But for a national game like Edmonton and Philly tonight, 
Um, I did work a Flyers game last week, but haven't worked an Edmonton game all year. So it's, uh, again, like I said, a lot of reading, watching prior games. Uh, we're going to a practice in a little while. We'll talk to head coach Dave Tippett. Um, football, really, I start on Monday morning for that week's game. And um, we go in on Friday normally to the home team practice and we get to sit down with players and coaches. And then we do the same thing with the visiting team. Some of it's on Zoom now. All of it was on Zoom last year. Um, but for a football game, it's really a, a compilation of an entire week of, of reading and watching prior games and uh, pouring through statistics. And if you saw my hotel room in Edmonton now, I have stuff spread out on the table for three different sports. So uh, you have to be organized. I didn't mind the six hours in the air yesterday, the traveling on two flights, because I, I was able to get a lot of work done. So you didn't make it over to Sherlock Holmes for a, a sandwich or a pot pie or anything? No, we, we met Eddie and I and a production crew actually had dinner in the hotel. We didn't make it outside the hotel last night. All right. Um, let's talk about the Rangers because the Blue Jackets are getting set to take on the Rangers. They made changes uh, during the offseason. Gerard Gallant now there as the head coach. That's a guy the Blue Jackets fans know uh, very well. He's trying to he's trying to take a team that's got a lot of skill and add a little bit of grit to it. And, uh, you know, they're coming off a bad loss to Calgary in the last game. But Kenny, tell me about the New York Rangers as you see them, the way this team is made up and, you know, where you think they're going to be strong. Well, Bob, I think they're really heading in the right direction. Um, you know, back in 2018, the organization sent out a letter to the fans about uh, what they refer to as the build, not the rebuild. And they traded away a lot of the veterans and acquired draft picks and assets and young players. And um, I think they're definitely ahead of where, many people felt they would be at this point. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, A, signing Artemi Panarin as a free agent, uh, B, Mika Zibanejad's continued development uh, to a superstar level in the league, um, stealing Adam Fox from Carolina in a trade for a second round draft pick. He won the Norris Trophy last year and looks even better this year. Uh, trading for Jacob Truba two years ago. And some of those uh, you know, some of the luck in the lotteries, uh, to be honest, getting the second pick and drafting Capo Caco and getting the first pick and drafting Alexi Lafreniere. Um, so, you know, it's a team that has only made the playoffs once in the last four years. And that was during the, the bubble in 2020. But um, like you mentioned, they added grit. Uh, you know, they felt they needed to after last season. So they brought in Ryan Reeves and Sammy Blay and Barkley Goodrow and uh, those three players have definitely changed, uh, you know, the complexion of this team a little bit uh, because of the way they play and the, the sandpaper element that they bring. Um, the top line recently has been Lafreniere with, with Savannah Jad and Chris Kreider. Kreider has three power play goals. Uh, Lafreniere now in his second season, it was such a strange year last year. He didn't have a training camp. He didn't have a rookie camp thrown right in and you could definitely see the improvement uh, that he's made. Uh, Ryan Strom just came off the COVID protocol list. He plays on the line with Panarin and usually Kako, but he's been out. So Barkley Goodrow has moved up on that line. But, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about Adam Fox and his development. He's a guy who grew up in New York, wanted to play for the Rangers, drafted by Calgary, traded to Carolina, traded to the Rangers, and uh, first player ever to win the Norris Trophy on a non-playoff team. So that just shows what type of a season that he had last year. And you didn't even talk about in goal where Henrik Lundqvist was the gold standard for so many years. And even as he exits a couple of years ago, that position continues to stay strong. 
Right. I, I did not mention the goaltending position. I should have. Uh, Igor Shosturkin, um the other night against Calgary was a rough one for the entire team. But prior to that, uh, he was playing outstanding hockey. He had allowed only three goals in three starts during the road trip. They went 4-0 during a road trip to Montreal, Toronto, Nashville, and Ottawa. And Shosturkin was the main reason why. So Henrik Lundqvist is now on the broadcast side. He's working in the studio on the pre- and post-game show and intermissions on select games. He's uh, really adapted very quickly to uh, uh, the TV side of things. He's done really well in the studio with John Giannone and Steve Valaket and uh, Shesterkin now in his third season, but really his first full season uh, with the two abbreviated seasons we've just gone through. But uh, the Rangers certainly hope that that they have uh, the goaltender that can carry them through you know, the next decade like Henrik Lundqvist did for over a decade uh, during his outstanding career. Well, Henrik always had the TV look anyway. You know, you look at what he's wearing in the studio and th 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 there's not a hair out of place. It's the perfect suit. Um, I, don't, I don't know how he does it. Uh, I don't know how he does it. And I know for John and Steve who are sitting there with him, when I work with Walt Frazier on some Knicks broadcasts, I always tell people that it, it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. I could be wearing a T-shirt and shorts. Nobody would notice standing next to Clyde. It's probably the same thing for John and Steve when they're with Henrik in the studio. Henrik does have that Jimmy Johnson hair, doesn't he? It's never out of place. Never out of place, ever. <laughs> right, I've got one more thing to ask you, and it's about uh, Alexi Lafreniere uh, specifically. I know Gerard Gallant kind of singled him out after that game against Calgary, said he needs more out of him. And he said he needed more out of a lot of people, but he brought him up. And you mentioned 18-year-old coming into the league, weird year last year, uh, didn't have the, the real experience. But I want to ask you, as you go around and you watch every team in the National Hockey League, um, there used to be a day you you had to be a Sidney Crosby-type talent to come into the league at 18 years of age and get a lot of playing time. And now the league is skewed so much younger, and you see guys doing this quite frequently. The Blue Jackets have Cole Sillinger right now, who is uh, coming in. It doesn't look 18 years old. He's had one game out of six where it looked like maybe he wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't up for that particular game. But he looks like just a regular guy. Um, as you watch these guys come in at 18 now – are you, are you surprised that they're able to come in and have such impact at an early age? Well, you know, I think it just shows how skilled some of these kids are. And, you know, back in the day, players would go to training camp to get into shape, whether hockey, football, you know, basketball. But now they're skating, you know, for a good portion of the summer. They're working with skills coaches. So they, they just seem a lot more ready than, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago at the age of 18 or 19 and you know with Lafreniere again last year uh no world junior no rookie camp no training camp thrown right in and he didn't have a bad season he he improved as the season went along but you could see the difference this year and even last year he looks mature beyond his years on the ice and when you listen to him speak you know I think one of the differences when when you do compare him you know to some of the other first overall picks like McDavid or Crosby Lafreniere is a winger primarily so probably a little bit of a different skill set or expectation for a wing as opposed to a center but um no I, I was really impressed with him early early in the season he did have the rough game the other day which he acknowledged and I thought he had the perfect response after Gerard Gallant uh you know made his comments but no he'll be fine he's playing with some great players in in Savannah Jad and Kreider and uh continues to impress in year two yeah, that's not a bad line at all. Hey, have you been to my old stomping grounds up there in Syracuse where I know your daughter was going to school? 
Uh, she actually graduated in May. So the last time I was up there uh, was for the graduation and it was great. Was it snowing? Was, was it still it snowing was, in May? It was not. Uh, but it was great that they they actually did go through with graduation in the Carrier Dome. It was socially distanced, but um, a lot of schools, you know, went virtual. So it was terrific that they did figure out a way to have the in-person graduation at Syracuse. Oh, I know you're going to miss those trips up there in the wintertime, Kenny. You know, for some reason, based on my schedule, I was usually able to make it up like in September and then again in April. So <laughs> it, it, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. No, that's that's great timing on your part. Absolute great timing. Hey, uh, thank you again for talking with me for so long. I really do appreciate it. It's always great to catch up with you. I haven't been able to do it for a while. And every time we play the Rangers, I send Kenny a text. Are you doing our game tonight? And most times the answer is no, I'm not doing the game tonight. So I had to track him down somewhere, even if it was outside the country. So again, thanks. I appreciate this very much. And do me a favor. If you see Cam Atkinson, tell him I said hello. Will do. Absolutely. It's nothing against you or the Blue Jackets. I always love coming to Columbus. It's just how the schedule worked out. But Hopefully, we'll see you later in the year. That is Kenny Albert. You can find him on Wednesday nights when you turn on the NHL on TNT. He's there with Eddie Olchuk calling one of the games each week. You can also find him on Sundays with the NFL on Fox. Tonight, the Blue Jackets taking on the New York Rangers. The puck drops at 7 o'clock at Madison Square Garden. Our pregame coverage will begin at 6.30 tonight on the Blue Jackets radio network, and that includes the flagship station 97.1 in Columbus. 6.30 is also the start time for pregame coverage on Valley Sports Ohio as well. This is just the first game of three for the Blue Jackets away from home. On Sunday, they will take on the New Jersey Devils and then head out to Colorado to face the Avalanche next Wednesday. That's going to do it for today's edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Until tonight, when the Blue Jackets take on the New York Rangers, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.